0: Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by Love Heals Dog Rescue. Hey guys, it's Carrie and Archie here. Hi! This week we are taking you to the LaLaurie Mansion in New Orleans, also known as New Orleans to the rest of the country.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To the folks that love to whitewash New Orleans. Leannes. Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Now, you can't have a paranormal podcast, guys, and not do an episode about this week's location. Today, as Archie mentioned, we are going to New Orleans and the infamous LaLaurie Mansion. We do want to uh, give a quick warning before we begin that the things we talk about in this episode are very disturbing in regards to what humans are capable of doing to other humans. It may be hard to listen to at times, So please do so at your own risk,
0: and here we go. Okay. So my part is really, really boring. talks about marriage and land acquisition.
1: Uh, But it's important because uh, she was exceptionally wealthy,
0: and... And I'll I'll get into that when I talk about how she was a self-made woman. Just like Kylie Jenner. (laughs) Okay. Born into wealth. And married wealthy along the way. (laughs) Wow. Okay. All
1: right. So So hopefully she she won't become on the list with Delphine LaLaurie as one of the, one of American history's most prolific serial killers. Oh, good. But that would be a twist for Keeping Up with the Kardashians.
0: (laughs) That that might get me interested. No. (laughs) (laughs) One of them becomes a killer. Oh my God. That would be crazy. So, Chris
1: Jenner, hit me up if you you know
0: need yeah, yeah. some help promoting. Give, give me some of that Kardashian. We've got moment. some ideas
1: to help keep your keep your brands really going. <laughs> Dear God. All right. Sorry. Go on. Wow.
0: Okay. She was born around 1787 in New Orleans as Marie as Marie McCarty, daughter of Louis Bartholomew Chevalier de McCarty. Madame LaLaurie only became famous or infamous after her atrocities were uncovered during a fire at her royal street mansion. What is not mentioned is that she was rumored to be a free person of color. Oh, I that's did not. Diff- yeah, I have never heard that. I did not know that either until I started really getting into this research, and I found that on Ancestry. Oh, shut up. Really? Yeah. That, I have never heard that about her. That takes things to a whole different It really different does, level. because not only was she born into wealth, but when you have money, you can get away with anything. Right. As we all know. Right. But she also became... Well, as, not as you and I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how that works, but so, so we've heard.
0: But a person of color, wealthy, and a landowner as a person of color and a woman. So
1: was this something that just recently came out? During the whole Ancestry.com boom, or was this something that was hinted at
0: back when she was alive? I only found out about it during my research, so it doesn't mention that this was out of the ordinary, but I found it a little out of place, which is why I found it important to include. Yeah, that's fascinating. I have not ever, ever heard that
1: about her, Mm -hmm. and... I have, I have known about this place for years and years and years. Is this another one of those locations where you're like, I had no idea about this place until we started to do an episode?
0: No, no, I'd heard about this, but okay. not, <laughs> not many of the gory details that you'll go into in your part. Yeah. She was first married at the age of 14 to Ramon Lopez y Angulo, who was a high-ranking Spanish royal official and intendant of Louisiana and West Florida, under the Spanish administration. In 1804, what was then again a French territory, now an American acquisition, Don Ramon was appointed to the Consul General for Spain in the territory of Orleans. Due to some sort of intrigue, he was required to return to the crown in Spain. Mm. During During the voyage at a stopover in Havana, Delphine's first child was born a daughter. During the stopover, also, Ramon lost his life under uncertain circumstance. Mm, okay. That's a theme. (sighs) Yeah, that's, yeah. Returning to New Orleans, Delphine married a second time in 1808 to Jean Jean Blanc, a prominent banker, merchant, lawyer, and legislator, and speculated slave dealer. After oh four children with Blanc, a home at 400 Royal Street, and a whirlwind of 335 slave transfers in 13 years, Blanc also lost his life in unclear circumstance. Delphine was left to settle his complicated and heavily indebted estate. In 18- Thanks, buddy. Yeah, right? In 1817, <laughs> she purchased a country home known as the Villa Blanc, which historians cannot confirm nor deny that Blanc owned as a plantation to settle and raise their children. Her eldest daughter had married by this time. Okay. In 1824, her father, Louis Bartholomew Chevalier de McCarty, died, leaving his property to his legitimate children. Oh, wait a minute. Legitimate. Does that not count her? That counts her, oh, okay. Delphine and her brother, Louis Bartholomew. Three days after her father died, Delphine cashed in her half of the inheritance. Wow, okay. Thus becoming a landowner. Okay, all right. So. Also, because of marriage, she owned the villa and whatever property she and Ramon had. Had.
1: Because he was wealthy in his own right, having been, you know, working for the crown. The high ranking Spanish Spain. royal officer. Okay. Did you find anything about how the father died? I did not. Okay. <sighs> Yeah, I've heard varying accounts um, just kind of come in doing my research, which was watching videos and stuff like that, but I did hear one that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but did sort of lend to how she became a fucking psycho, um, in that in the uprising of the slaves in um, the, the Jamaica area, there's a rumor or a story that she saw her father beheaded by a slave during the revolt. Oh, but the years that in this story don't actually correlate to what... To what I've found. To what you've found and to what is known about her being born in the late 1700s. Because then the uprising, I believe, was in like 1810. So that really... Well, maybe. I don't... I don't know. I just I just was wondering if you had actually found anything that stated how her dad died. So you know, we could I, sort of
0: debunk I, I do kind of recall at least glancing over something that showed that her father was killed at the hand of... Slaves. Okay. So maybe I should have looked into that a little more. Well, you know, I tried to, but I couldn't actually find anything about how any
1: of her husbands died or her father. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe you would have had better luck, but I I couldn't find anything. And I Hmm. was going all over the place to find what I found. So
0: anyway, sorry. Go on. No, that's fine. That's interesting. So... Leonard Louis Nicolas LaLaurie, the man who would later become Delphine's third husband, arrived in New Orleans in 1825, shortly after graduating medical school in France. Despite their difference in age and financial status, the widow Delphine McCarty Blanc became romantically involved with young Dr. LaLaurie, and by late in 1826, she was pregnant with his child. She was like 50, I think, I read, when she
1: married him. So that's...
0: Whew. Get it, girl. Wow,
1: she was fertile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she was fertile. On uh, January 12, 1828, five months after their son, Jean Lewis, was born, Lewis returned from a trip out of state, and they were finally married. Oh, a lot of out-of-wedlock mm-hmm. having babies. because didn't, yep.
1: didn't her first child with Ramon, in, didn't they marry after she had their
0: first child? Um, is that what you said or did I hear that wrong? No, that was, I I may not have said that clearly. The child was born while they were on their way back to Spain.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry. So
0: they were married when she was 14. Um, dear God, crazy time. (laughs) So their marriage contract specifically stipulated that Delphine would retain title to all the property she brought into the union prenup
1: what oh okay thousands
0: so. of dollars worth of furniture jewelry clothing silverware farm equipment and animals slaves promissory notes and real estate among delphine's holdings were the villa blanc and the upriver strip of land inherited from her father 16 days after they were married delphine sold the strip of land inherited by their father Oh, okay. The 1830 census shows Delphine and Louis continued to live at the Villa Blanc until they moved into their new mansion on Royal Street in 1831. Okay. And here is the turn. Oh, my. So, my turn. Your turn. My this is turn. where we find out what a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad person she was.
1: <laughs> yeah, she really was. She, guys, she really was. Okay. Alright, are we ready? Do we have our swig of wine? Do I we just need took a mine. do we need a refill? I think I've had the half. I've been chugging this <laughs> shit for a bit now. Okay, so this folks is where my little warning came in. Doing the research on this, I was trying really hard to find things that were Powerful and, and what have you, and also kind of struggling, as you know, because I've been texting you all week. Mm-hmm. Struggling with how much of it to share. <clears throat> like I said in the morning, this is a, a case, certainly a case in what humans are capable of doing to other humans. She is um, pretty freaking awful. So here we go. Let's dive in. I just
0: scratched the surface on that, and I was mortified. Mm. I can't believe you have six pages. Yeah, it's a lot.
1: So settle in, folks. Grab your bad whiskey that'll send you to the insane asylum. And if that doesn't, actually maybe hearing what I'm about to say will. Okay, here we go. So today, uh, Delphine LaLaurie is known to be the most vile, cruel, and sadistic woman in American history. Um, It is speculated that she may even be one of America's first serial killers. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, there are a number of sites and television shows and periodicals online that tell varying versions of what I'm about to get into, who was the actual culprit, and why it got to this point. What is known, however, what is real, what is true, is that Delphine and Louis LaLaurie were real people. They did own the mansion on Royal Street in New Orleans, and their slaves were horrifically tortured. God. However, as with most events of way long ago, especially ones as horrific and grisly as this, embellishments are going to be a thing. Right. So that being said about, Delphine, there is a a theory that... A couple of theories as to how she became this way. And like I said, when you were doing your part, mm-hmm. there is a story that she witnessed her father be beheaded by one of the, the free slaves during the uprising in the early 1800s. So that is, that is one theory. The, another theory was that um, her third and final husband, Louis LaLaurie, was an abusive man. So she was... There's the the idea that that she was kind of cracked under Mm, that. mm, mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the other theory is, um, like you mentioned, her husband was a doctor. And just as a fun fact, he graduated last in his class.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, So he either joined in on the tortures of their slaves or at the very least was well aware of what his hag wife was up to. And was
0: able to maintain. Exactly. Um, and, and
1: certainly, some of the things inflicted upon their slaves seem to require medical knowledge. Medical knowledge,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Jeez. So, <clears throat> the tortures. Now, these events are reported to have occurred between 1831 and 1834, so basically almost as soon as they bought that mansion. Uh, she had close to 26 slaves at any given time, which was odd because... Since homes of this size usually just had six to eight slaves, there was no real reason that she should have 26. Those numbers were typically indicative of small plantation sized homes. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Like the Villa Blanc?
1: Yes. It's said that there were about um, 35 to 40 slaves that neighbors. Friends of theirs, people that would attend parties at their home, noticed with sort of a revolving door, 35 to 40 slaves that they just saw once and never saw again. Hmm. To the point that her friends and neighbors would say to Delphine LaLaurie that they never saw the same slaves twice. And she always laughed it off that she would lease
0: them out to friends in the country. Which is another thing I read about with jean John Blanc. Yeah. Maybe it started there.
1: We just... We don't know. Yeah. So, uh, her slaves were to have been observed as, quote, singularly haggard and wretched. Now, Delphine LaLaurie was known to be polite to black people in public, and she was very supportive or solicitous of the health of her slaves. So, on the outside, Mm -hmm. she was a very
0: carrying slave owner. Well, and they were pillars of the Creole community.
1: They really were, yes. And they were known to all of high society in New Orleans. They threw fabulous parties. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they just, they were exceptionally popular. They had a ton of money. Right. So court records do show that she did uh, emancipate two of her slaves, one in 1819 and one in 1832. After, after I'm done, this tidbits, we'll get a big resounding, big whoop.
0: And those were the two that go. That's away. literally,
1: yes, yeah. Now, rumors of her treatment were, of her slaves were so widespread that a lawyer was actually sent to the home to remind the LaLaurie's of the laws regarding the upkeep of slaves. Which that sentence in and of itself is just, yeah, yeah. they're not, I, I get, I get, I get it. I'm like, I, I get it. 1800s, slavery was mm-hmm. legal at the time, but, at the, but just reading. I, when I read those words, I was like the upkeep of slaves,
0: the like they bare, were a garden or their, a house. The bare or, minimum of your farm animals.
1: Right. It's disgusting. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, this particular lawyer found no evidence of wrongdoing or mistreatments at the time. However, after this visit, a neighbor reported that she saw one of Madame LaLaurie's young slaves, a 12-year-old girl named Leah, fall to her death from the roof. Apparently, Leah had been brushing Madame LaLaurie's hair. Why is that name so hard for me to say? She had been brushing Madame Lalori's hair, and she hit a snag. Yeah, this one I did read. Yeah. Apparently this pissed Delphine off, and she grabbed a whip and chased the girl through the house. Now, two held beliefs are one, that she fell off the roof, or the more popular and the more understanding mm. reason is that... It's claimed that the child jumped off the roof of the building, obviously dying when she hit the stone-paved courtyard in the center of the building.
0: And it's also alleged that Leah was buried on the property, is it not?
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So this particular event led to another investigation of the Lalorries, and they were found guilty of illegally being cruel to their slaves, and their punishment was that they were forced to give up nine of their slaves. However, because they were rich...
0: Mm -hmm. A slap on the wrist and pay a
1: fine. Worse. They were forced to give up nine of their slaves, but they had their friends and their family buy those same slaves and give them back to them. Now, as you mentioned in your portion... There was a fire, and that fire occurred on April 10th, 1834. It started in the kitchen. One of her slaves, whom she chained at the ankle to the stove, purposely started the fire in an effort to commit suicide in fear of living another day there, and possibly being taken to the attic because, quote, anyone who has been taken there never came back, end quote, Having been asked about this particular slave, the LaLaurie stated that she was old and senile, and they chained her to the oven because she had run away before, but there was no need to look upstairs. And this is what she said to the the men that came to fight the fire and the police when they questioned the old woman. Um, It is reported that the old woman said, go upstairs, look upstairs, you'll find the answer there. So when they questioned the LaLores, they were like, oh, poo-poo, she's insane, she's old, she's senile, she's tried to run away, we had to chain her to the stove, poo-poo, she's, ignore her, basically. Oh, geez. Now, w- the accounts vary as to how the torture chamber was discovered. One is that bystanders, in an, in an effort to help ensure that everybody had been evacuated...
0: What ad- I read was everything. Every, Everything that bystanders on the street raced into the house to rescue the belongings of the Lloris. Oh. Their paintings, their furniture, trying to help them out. And that's when the cook, you yeah, know, finger quotes, was found chained to the stove. And that's when everyone else found out about shackles on the slaves in the back of the house. Okay. All of them chained up everywhere. And See? that... What I read incited a riot at the obvious to everyone's eyes, mistreatment yeah. of their slaves.
1: Yes. And now so okay, that's a third account then. So this one that I found was that in an effort to ensure that everybody had been evacuated, attempted to enter the slaves' quarters and were refused the keys by the LaLoris. Now, every different account that I have heard. Has said that they were uncooperative.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. Yeah.
1: Um, so they broke down the door to the quarters and they found seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated. Having stated, and the slave said that they had been imprisoned in this room for months. Those who were still alive. Oh. Yeah. There's a second account uh, that is that is more related to what the chained to the oven slave had mentioned. Firefighters wondered what the old woman was talking about after they were brushed off by the Leloris. Uh They were wondering what was really going on in the house, so they got their ladders and they climbed up to the third floor of windows. Um, when they got to the top and they lifted the windows, the most putrid, noxious stench they have ever smelled hit their noses. And when they pulled back the drapes, they found what was described in the morning paper the next day, as, quote, the single most horrific sight of carnage ever witnessed by human eyes, end quote. Firefighters, the police officers, became sick to their stomachs almost immediately walking into that room. So meanwhile, the Lloris were trying to calm the gathering crowd and assure them that there was nothing more going on and that the fire was put out, until... The courtyard doors opened and gurney after gurney came out with body after body, horror after horror, in front of the
0: utterly appalled and disgusted crowd. Which, yeah. what, what I can appreciate here is <clears throat> that even though slavery, slavery was accepted and ongoing, the mistreatment... Of the slaves, not acceptable. Exactly. And that's actually...
1: It's actually a really perfect lead-in to what I'm about to say. So, remember that this was 30 years prior to the abolition of slavery in 1865. Hmm. So, even back then, like you said, this scene would have been considered a complete and absolute atrocity. You just did not treat your slaves this way. Mm-hmm. So the crowd was incensed and they wanted to kill the LaLoris. There is numerous um, stories and accounts that the crowd stormed into their home and destroyed it. Uh, other others accounts and, and these are the more likely the ones that the paper reported, etc. They were actually had the the growing crowd as it started to spread what was going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Um, had to be held back. And <laughs> it is said that being wealthy in 1834, now again Delphine and Louis LaLaurie were worth 4.3 million dollars in 1834. Oh, wow. Yes, so that actually equates to one hundred and twenty-eight point three million dollars today. So it is said that being wealthy in eighteen thirty-four buys a lot of police, and there are reports that ninety-eight percent not not ninety-eight percent, ninety-eight police officers accepted heavy bribes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so they worked hard to keep the growing furious crowd at bay. Uh, the Lalories did run back inside. They locked their doors. They gathered their essential belongings and their children, and they fled sometime later into the night, early morning, as the crowd that was still there mm-hmm. saw the doors to the carriage house opened, and they climbed into a horse-drawn carriage and fled to Lake Conchatrain, where they boarded a boat. They ended up in New York City, They stayed there for nine days shopping and seeing the opera. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, me too. That's what I do when I'm in New York. Um, (laughs) And apparently there are receipts to prove that this is what they did in New York while they were there. No remorse. None. Uh, Then they, they boarded a ship and they sailed on to France where they were never heard from again. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Now, what was found in their home, in this torture chamber. Oh, this is what you were talking about. This is what I was talking about. The claims that were found, um, or the claims that people said were found, each interior wall was lined with bodies, both living and dead, all slaves, that had some kind of torture and experimental procedures done on them. There were people hanging from the ceiling by hooks through their chest, Still alive. Oh my God. Some dead. There was a child found in a three by three by three cage with her bones broken to cram her into the small space. People that had primitive lobotomies done. And if you've listened to Trans Allegheny, oh. you heard how that procedure was done. But again, this was about 40 years prior, 50. To the actual ice pick method, lobotomy being, Mm. yeah. Um, They had limbs amputated. One woman who was simply a head and a torso, having both arms and both legs crudely cut off, was found. And she was found hanging in an iron cage. Other individuals with iron collars with spikes on them were found to keep their heads immobile. Some had their eyes gouged out, their skin flayed off. One man was found with his face quartered, and the skin on his face peeled back and pinned. There was also another woman who uh, was claimed to have been found with her skin peeled off in a circular pattern so that she resembled a caterpillar. Yet another woman had her bones broken and reset in such a way that she resembled a crab. Couldn't walk upright, couldn't, I mean.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: you're lying to me, la, la, la. la. Mm. There was another person whose mouth was sewn shut, and when they cut the thread from their lips and their mouths were opened, they found that their mouths were filled with feces, and then sewn shut. Yet another person was chained to the walls, gutted, and their intestines wrapped around them. Still others had holes in their skulls. With wooden spoons near them, and those spoons were believed to be used to stir their brains while they were alive. These particular individuals were still alive when they were found, and they were found with maggots inside the opening of their skull cavity, believed to be the only thing keeping them alive at that point because maggots clean infections.
0: Hmm. Mm. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat>
1: In addition to corpses who were decomposing in and around the room, um, the corpses' organs were not all intact or inside their bodies. Uh, The fire marshal and the police chief, upon entering the residence, they found a table with a man and a woman chained to it. Both were still alive. However, upon closer inspection, they found them to be the victims of a crude sex change operation. Additionally, the individuals found in this god-awful torture chamber were found to have had their fingernails ripped out at the roots. Body parts were scattered around the room. Heads and organs were found in buckets. Again, eyes were gouged out and genitals were cut off.
0: Okay, how much more of this do you have? Mm.
1: That's all I have for this torture, uh-huh. but I haven't gotten to the hauntings yet. Now, we're out of why. Many of these events have signed witness statements attesting to what I've just listed.
0: That's horrifying, Carrie.
1: Yeah. You know, as we said, it's, she was a, a horrible individual, and it's likely her husband, if he didn't it's participate, impossible. he knew about it.
0: Impossible that she did that on her own. Impossible.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like
0: that. that's true Impossible. just because that takes a lot
1: of time. And how could you be torturing your slaves and throwing, like, the best
0: parties New Orleans <laughs> has ever seen? And, and amateurish surgeries, mm-hmm. say, from a bottom-of-the-class doctor.
1: Doctor, yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, for sure. So, that's all I'm going to say about the purported tortures. Of the slaves that oh, they found. Oh, thank you. As a result, the hauntings...
0: <gasps> as a result. As a result, this, And let me tell you why And that, let me
1: tell you why this joint is fucking haunted. Oh, my God. So, the fire and the discovery um, of the tortured slaves was on April 10th, 1834. Now, on April 12th, 1834, two days after the fire and the discovery of the tortured slaves... People walking by the mansion could already hear screams that sounded demonic in nature. Uh, it, the house was completely empty at the time. Because remember, Madame
0: LaLaurie and her husband
1: fled with their children mm-hmm. and all their worldly possessions that they liquidated on the way to New York. And
0: hopefully everyone that could be rescued had been had rescued. Had been, right. Uh, so anyway, the people that had been
1: passing by or, or lived in the neighborhood, they called a Roman Catholic priest. And they demanded that he go in and exercise the place. To which that particular individual refused. And he called in six Protestant soldiers to do it. So the Roman Catholic Church was like, mm, yeah, this is a little too much for us. Wow. Yeah. So six Protestant soldiers went in to exercise the place. They were in there for 15 minutes. And they left... All stating that they heard, quote, otherworldly screams and languages of the dead being spoken by angry spirits. Already. Two days after it all came to light. Now, to that end, in 1953, the building was renovated and new flooring and plumbing was installed. However, when they ripped up the floorboards, they found eight complete human skeletons in the floors. What? Which was a really horrific thing to find.
0: That's not renovating. That's
1: just paving over. Well, in, this was in 1953. Yeah. The building had sat empty, and somebody bought it, and they were going For to renovate a hundred it. For 100 years. So they ripped up the flooring, and they were going to put down new flooring and new plumbing. Oh,
0: they found that. They found.
1: Okay. Eight human skeletons. It was actually made worse The discovery was made worse when they realized that the underside of the floorboards had scratch marks.
0: Ashamed I saw that coming.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the bodies, the skeletons that they found were evident that these individuals had been buried alive. So the screams You were done with the torture. Yeah, you thought I was. So the screams that people heard from the other side of the street in the days after the fire weren't actually ghosts, but real people. Now, many of Delphine Lalori's slaves did not speak French or Spanish or English. Mo- many of them spoke Senegambian, and because they were illegally smuggled West African slaves... They were misinterpreted, their cries were misinterpreted as, quote, otherworldly screams and languages of the dead being spoken by angry spirits. So when those six Protestant soldiers went into the building and heard the screaming in a language nobody knew what it was, there were more people to be rescued. There were actually live people buried under the floorboards. In the 1870s, the building was purchased and divided up as a tenement. Residents uh, could hear voices, chains rattling from within the property. Uh, the tenement could not keep the tenants. Uh, dark shadows, apparitions appeared on the stairs and in the kitchen. One woman claimed she went into her children's room, and or she was going upstairs to her children's room, and she saw a woman that was holding her daughter So the woman heading to her daughter's room saw this strange woman holding her child. Whoa, what? Yeah. Uh, The woman that she saw holding her daughter then threw her daughter down the stairs. And the minute the child hit the stairs, the woman and the child vanished. It was a hallucination that she saw. But hallucinations of this kind, including animal mutilation and murder were common by people that had spent any time in, in the building. Uh, another tenant saw a woman bending over their child's crib to comfort it, and he believed that it was his wife. And he said, honey, she's fine. Come back to bed. He woke up and he, was, and he saw this woman, his wife, over their daughter's crib. and said, honey, she's fine. Come back to bed. And his wife, who was actually laying next to him, turned over and said, who are you talking to? So he jumped out of bed and chased the woman out of their bedroom, only for her to disappear in front of him. As he was out on the landing, he heard his wife screaming, ran back into the room, found her at the crib checking on the baby, and they found a sock stuffed in the baby's mouth. So he wakes up, and there's a woman bending over his child's crib. He chases the woman out. The wife goes to check on the child. When they check on the baby, it's got a stuff cra- a sock crammed into its throat. They moved out within a week. <sighs> it is said that when people first move in, um, they are approached by warning spirits, telling them to leave before it's too late. And apparently if you stay for a lengthy period of time, those benign ghosts leave and are replaced by other more malevolent spirits. And you really won't stay much longer beyond that.
0: Oh, God.
1: Now, there was a tenant who lived there in the mid-1960s. Um, she was a child at the time. She lived there with her father and her brother. They were coming home from dinner one night, walking home from dinner one night, her and her father. And when she glanced up, she saw a child sitting on top of the roof with her legs, her legs dangling off the roof. The same little girl is frequently seen in the courtyard. Now, to this day... Is it Leah? Yeah. To this day, this woman will not go anywhere near the place at night because she's too scared she'll see the little girl again. When she called attention to the apparition, or what she thought was a genuine little girl on the top of this freaking building, mm-hmm. she asked, she's like, Dad, look. And when he looked, the girl was gone. Now, this woman did go back 20 years later to make peace with the place because, again, she lived there when it was an apartment building for mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. father. Um, and she went back there 20 years later, and she was knocked down while she was in there by nothing. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, best laid plans and all, to go in and make peace with a place that just can't be peaceful. So anyway, for a time, it was an all-girls school. First, it was an all-white girls school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that look on your face was priceless. (laughs) It was, you guys, it was literally literally a look of what the actual fuck. (laughs) Anyway. So at first it was an all-white girls' school, and then a segregation board changed all of that, and it became an all-black girls' school. So on the surface, that sounds great, but mm-hmm. no. Yeah. no. So that didn't, the, that didn't actually last long because the black children began to report assaults and the sightings of a woman who carried a whip. The kids were known to show teachers cuts and scratches on themselves, and they all described the same woman with a whip when they were asked who did that to them.
0: So, she didn't even die in the house.
1: Yeah. Over time, it was also a music conservatory, a bar, a furniture store, and apartments. The furniture store owner once went back to the store after it had closed. He went back one night to pick something up, and he found this dark, foul-smelling liquid all over the place. So he thought it was vandals, and one night he decided he was going to go and stay there with a gun and catch him in the act. So while he was patrolling the store, he turned around and saw the liquid was back out of nowhere. This black, small, foul-smelling liquid. (laughs) And it was back out of nowhere. So he closed up shop and bounced the hell out of there for good. Mm -hmm. Now, Jack Osborne's show, Portals to Hell, did an investigation there. And they used a device called a 3D mapping camera. Now, I've also seen this device used on a couple of episodes of Ghost Adventures. And since I don't watch a lot of Ghost Adventures episodes, the first time I saw it, they were using this particular device when they went and investigated the Yuma Territorial Prison. Mm -hmm. And when I first saw it, I was like, this device is the hokiest bunch of bullshit I've ever fucking... You've seen it, right? What kind
0: of comedy is this bullshit? What kind
1: of... Yeah. However, shout out to Jack... (laughs) And his co host because they actually explained what this device is and what it does. They
0: did a very good job of that.
1: Yeah. So, basically, this device is called a 3D mapping camera. And it was designed for video game creators and video game technology. It is a new device that investigators use that has technology that can map out human figures via a laser grid. And it's... Coded and designed to differentiate between human figures and other objects like furniture or animals, etc. The thought behind it is that whatever crosses the laser grid, it can map out the silhouette of whatever entity is there, if that entity is in the shape of a human. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen such a thing, but and if you don't know that this the behind the story behind it you don't know the intent behind it you don't know that it was created for video games and 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 things like that it does look ridiculous because when they <laughs> when they catch an anomaly with this 3D mapping camera it is legit a stick figure one stick down the side two sticks out for arms two sticks out for legs with a bunch of dots down each appendage and the body of the thing it looks ridiculous it really looks ridiculous it does it does and i thought this is a joke this has got to be a joke but um on this particular episode of portals to hell his co-host katrina um stood in the room so that they could make sure that it was actually working and that it was actually picking up a human figure and so you see her Standing there as a stick figure. And then out of friggin' nowhere, Archie, another stick figure just pops up next to her.
0: And she's the only one in this particular yep, room. I remember I did watch that episode.
1: Yeah. So at first I thought this this equipment was a bunch of fucking hokey bullshit. But once I, I got the backstory and I figured out like I understood like where it came from, I thought, wow, that is actually kind of an exceptional piece of ghost hunting technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Anyway, um they did catch an entity with this camera sitting in a chair um that one of the hosts, Katrina was standing next to and she did find a cold spot in that area as well.
0: Yeah, she was like poking it, right?
1: Uh <laughs> she's kind of put her hand like sort of like in its Ooh. chest head where it
0: Ooh. would have been. Yeah, don't grope. <laughs> don't a go grop. any Don't
1: grope anything that's <laughs> yeah. not there. Anyway, or without permission. Never grope without permission. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, so, there is a, a widely held belief that the LaLaurie Mansion is, shocker, cursed. Um, yeah. Are you blown away by that? No. No. <laughs> I was like, really, it's cursed? No, don't say. Not a shock. yeah. That's not much of a belief. Anyway, so it's believed to be cursed, again, not a shocker, because of those who have, who own it, or they try to live there, have generally been plagued with accidents, death, and financial ruin. The first owner, after the lorry, the LaLaurie's had it, could only stay there for three months because of all of the different activity and, and situations that he encountered. Um, he then leased it to other people, and none of them stayed there for more than a handful of days or weeks. So eventually, he just abandoned it. And it actually did sit abandoned for about 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, another owner died in the house within weeks of moving in. Still another ended up in an asylum. Maybe it was trans Oh, God. And then another one had an accident in the home that actually landed them in a coma. Uh, pause for a sip of wine, because I can't drink heavily enough in this I, episode.
0: I have been. Mm.
1: Yeah, you have been, but I've been talking about some horrible stuff. Okay. Another man was brutally murdered in the house and his friends told police that he had mentioned to them shortly before his death that he was having problems in the house with the spirits and a demon. And then days later, he ends up brutally murdered in the house.
0: In the house. In the house. house.
1: Now, the house was also found ransacked, so it could have just been a case of a burglary. But at the same time... Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, as with the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, the LaLaurie Mansion does have a famous, and notable owner, and that is actor Nicolas Cage. He once owned the house in 2009. However, within two years of buying it, he went bankrupt, losing his property and another he owned in New Orleans to the IRS. Hmm. Yes, so they confiscated both the LaLaurie mansion and another property that he had. However, fun fact, if you didn't know, and if you plan to, you know, be, you know, indicted on tax evasion, um, just so you're aware, Nicolas Cage did get to keep his burial plot in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 that he had purchased because the IRS cannot take away somebody's final resting place. Hmm. So he did get to keep his... It's a big white pyramid mausoleum that he plans to be buried in. So he did get to keep that. Oh! So there are happy endings to this story. <laughs> 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 but the ending isn't quite yet. There's more stuff. Oh God, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, other random sightings that this fun little place will provide you. There are photos with mist, orbs, and shadows that don't make sense. Smoke is seen entering and exiting the home, which, obvi, you know, fire, smoke. Mm. Yeah. It's common to smell smoke in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People have often seen the tail of a gown entering the home through doors that have been permanently bolted shut. Delphine is often seen looking down on the street through windows in the top floors. Again, sounds of screams, rattling chains, apparitions of black men in chains are often seen. Passers-by to the property have gotten sick. Some have fainted, heard screaming and sobs. Now, a very, very, very dear friend of mine um, who is an empath has been to New Orleans a number of times and has been past the LaLaurie mansion. When I asked him about it and I asked him to talk to me about the vibe that he has gotten from being there, he won't. He refuses to. He's like, I'll pass, Carrie. No, thank you. He won't even talk about it with me. Wow. Yeah. There are often people have had feelings of being choked while sleeping and waking up to find a pale, dark-haired woman kneeling over them. Having your hair pulled is a common occurrence, so you might want to cut your hair, Arch. Before we go, Leah is seen on the roof uh, to the point of people calling the police in a panic because they think there's a little girl up on the roof of this tall building. Tall building. Yeah, and apparently that's a common thing, that now the police are just like, mm, yeah, we're we're aware of that, and yeah, it's, uh, that happens type of situation.
0: That happens.
1: They must get enough calls about this that they just know.
0: It's the address you're at? Yeah. 400 Royal Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Mm, okay, we know. It's all right.
1: It's all right, we're good. Yeah. Um, and then lastly Leah again the 12 year old slave that either jumped off or fell off the roof after being chased by Delphine LaLaurie with a whip Leah can be heard crying in the courtyard where she fell and died Ugh. So um, I did see a video on YouTube <laughs> By and I'm probably gonna butcher this name, but by Atune Shea Films And the host said in the end of his presentation of the LaLaurie Mansion, he said, quote, Like all good French Quarter ghost stories are, it is a mixture of history, folklore, and shit tour guides made up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where I'm going to end this, folks. That is the infamous New Orleans location and the honestly grim and horrific history of its hauntings. Uh, now it is a private residence, so no one is permitted inside. However, there are a number of tour companies in New Orleans that do make stops outside. So when you guys are planning a trip to New Orleans, which I'm trying to convince Archie to come with me for my (laughs) birthday in February, um, and whether or not he goes with me or not, I'm still going to go to New Orleans if I have to go by myself. I will definitely be going on <laughs> one of these um, these trips, these walking tours that that these tour companies offer. And yeah, so that is the Lalaurie Mansion. Okay. That, um, it was grisly. It was gruesome, and the research on it was certainly whew, went down a lot of rabbit holes to find some of this stuff. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ugh. Yeah. So that's that. Um, we have not heard from anybody that they've actually been to the LaLaurie Mansion or they've ever had any experiences. Again, like I said, the one friend that I know of that has been past there. Again, it's a private residence, so no one's going in. Mm-hmm. But yep. he wanted no part of even talking about it, which is 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 completely understandable. And um, yeah, New Orleans is one of the most fascinating, beautiful engaging cities, it's certainly a bucket list item for me. And I will, I will definitely be going in February for my birthday. If I have to go by myself or not, oh, if I should get ax murdered or die in front of the little Lori mansion, because I went by myself because Archie didn't come. Everybody so. knows where they can find him. <laughs> so that's that. Okay, um, we're done with that. We are done with that. So anyway, we had to take some breaks. It was brutal stuff. So thank you guys very, very much for listening yet again. Um, Once we, again. Yeah. We are so <laughs> excited. Um, we are so grateful for all of you joining us. And Archie, do you have any announcements or anything that you want to mention to the beautiful listeners of our podcast?
0: Um, <laughs> do I?
1: I don't know. No, I don't think he does.
0: Okay. No, I does. No, no, I don't. Nothing to include.
1: All right, guys. Well, enjoy your Saturday or whatever day you're listening to this. Uh, If you're listening at work.
0: Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we warned you. Yeah, we did. We warned you.
1: So that is it. And stay tuned for our episode next week when we go even crazier. (sighs) And we talk about haunted objects, which may or may not attach themselves to you when you listen to our episode. Guess you'll find out. I know. (laughs) Anyway, thanks, guys. We love you all so very much, and we are so very grateful for all of you. Um, Now, please, please, please listen to this brief word from our sponsor, Love Heals Dog Rescue. Have a great day.
0: Thank you. Love Heals Dog Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life.
1: Love Heals wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes while also helping dogs in need in the area, such as providing a last litter program, where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted, and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area.
0: Love Heels Dog Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network. Please consider becoming a foster and visit loveheelsdogrescue.org,
1: Or find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Dog Rescue.
0: Help Help us be a part of the solution. solution.